Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Du Lina, i söndags så var det ju då världsdiabetesdagen. Den 14 november var ju det, eller hur? Ja, precis. Och med anledning av det så gjorde vi faktiskt en exklusiv intervju med en av världens faktiskt främsta forskare inom hur vi själva kan påverka vårt blodsocker på ett positivt sätt bara genom vår livsstil. Ja, det här är ju mäktigt för att det här är inte vem som helst vi snackar om, eller Nej, verkligen inte, utan det är ju professor Sachin Panda vid Salk University i USA. Som du har fått träffa igen ju, du, du fick ju intervjua honom tidigare i år också, eller hur? Mm, ja, men jag känner mig väldigt äh, ärad att få tala med smarta mannen. Det kanske kan vara lite svårt att hänga med ibland eftersom att det här är en intervju på engelska. Men du och jag Sebbe, vi kommer göra lite instick här och där i intervjun för att tydliggöra det som kanske man inte alltid förstår. Nej, det är mycket termer och sådär så att det kan vara bra att ja, bara få lite vad ska man säga, lite guidning av oss ibland. Mm. Och jag vill bara säga du som lyssnar på det här och inte har diabetes typ 2 eller förhöjt blodsocker, vad du känner till. Stäng inte av, för att det här är ett livsstilsprogram som väldigt många kan ha nytta av. Och jag ska faktiskt erkänna att jag själv, sedan lång tid tillbaka, lever enligt det här livsstilsprogrammet. Och jag har ju varken diabetes eller någon känd annan metabolsjukdom. Så att det här är man kan säga, ett livsstilsprogram egentligen för alla som vill optimera sin hälsa. Men där man då har forskat väldigt mycket på diabetes eftersom att det är ju världens snabbast växande folksjukdom. Ja, väldigt viktigt helt enkelt för, för de allra flesta där. Mm. Jag tycker att vi kör igång och lyssnar på intervjun. Ja, det gör vi. Så här är alltså professor Sachin Panda. Professor Panda, it's an honor to uh, talk to you again. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm always happy to be on your show. According to latest research, if we restrict our eating window to 8 to 10 hours a day, we can prevent and reverse pre-diabetes and diabetes type 2. It sounds too good to be true. 
Yes, so that's why even I was surprised uh, when we did the experiment uh, almost 10 years ago in mice and people used to ask me, I used to say, well, if you have a diabetic mouse, maybe it will work. And uh, subsequently, when we started uh, human studies, uh, what is really interesting is as soon as we started human studies with uh, those who had pre-diabetes, they could reverse. I mean, in the sense that people who had a fasting blood glucose of, say, 110, 115 um, milligram per deciliter, they could bring it down to less than 100. So that's the, that's the way we talk about diabetes in the U.S. And then what happened was, I was so, it was so amazing because the physician with whom I work she was super excited because she said there are very few times when she asked her patients to follow some new lifestyle and it helps them. So she was very excited that it actually helped. And then my mother became my test subject because my mother was almost going to be type 2 diabetic. She was living with pre-diabetes for a couple of years by then. And then I said, uh, just try this. And she did not believe because she's a lifelong vegetarian and she rarely eats outside, sorry, after 6 p.m. Uh, but we realized that she's once in a while, she would have a cup of tea with milk and sugar and sometimes a snack, late night snack. And everybody would think that that's benign, so not affect health. But she actually stopped doing that. And within three months, she could reverse our numbers to uh, fasting blood glucose of 90 milligram per deciliter, which is very safe. And then she has been doing it for the last five, six years, even through the COVID pandemic, and she has stabilized. So that's, you know, when you strongly believe in something, um, you can at least take the risk of putting your mother through it and see. Yeah. <laughs> but over the last couple of years, we have seen quite a few randomized controlled trials and many pilot studies, again and again, showing that this eight hours or 10 hours time restricted eating or intermittent fasting um, can prevent and reverse pre-diabetes. And for type 2 diabetes, of course, People who are with medication, they should always consult with her doctor and practice it safely because since they are already on medication and they're again trying to adopt a lifestyle that can reduce their blood glucose, they may actually reduce their blood glucose too much. So that's why having doctor supervision will help them to adjust the medication process. So I read this in your book that your mother, only by cutting out her uh, 9 p.m. tea with milk and a snack, she actually uh, managed her own blood glucose levels within three months. And um, I mean, considering diabetes is now a global epidemic and it drains our healthcare budgets, but also it it's an enormous uh, individual, uh, I mean, it leads to enormous uh, individual suffering and suffering uh, among families. Imagine uh, how much suffering and how much money we could save because this is uh, this 12 weeks program 
I mean, it's uh, something everyone can do and uh, it's basically for free. Yeah. So that's why we're super excited. Um, diabetes is not one disease. It's a, people always think that diabetes is just blood glucose level going up 20, 30 points. But that's just the mm. tip of the iceberg because once diabetes hits, it also brings what I call its sinister friends, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, all of this stuff, and slowly can lead to kidney damage, liver damage. So once you are on a diabetes track, you are almost on a downhill slope, on a skiing slope, and it can go really fast, really worse. So that's why um, it's very important to also get your blood sugar tested. So now this is the end of the year. A lot of people may be thinking about uh, going for their annual checkup, and some people actually ignore it. Those who think that they are healthy, they do ignore it, uh, which is a big mistake. So this is a time to go get your blood sugar tested. And if you are pre-diabetic or are listed as diabetic, who is not diagnosed yet, this is a great time to start this program. One more thing that we always forget is in the U.S. alone, for every person who is diagnosed with diabetes, there are at least two to three people who are living with pre-diabetes are undiagnosed type 2 diabetes. It's one out of three Americans who are living pre-diabetes yes. uh, being undiagnosed. Yeah. But on a global level, it's one out of four? Or yeah, so in global level, we don't know the actual number. What we know is there are nearly 470 million or close to half a billion people who, are, who may be living with type 2 or type 1 diabetes. And if we use the same rule of thumb as in the US, then for every diagnosed type 2 or type 1 diabetic, there may be two to three pre-diabetics. So that means we're looking at a billion plus people worldwide who may be living with pre-diabetes. And, you know, pre-diabetes is like when you are driving on the road, pre-diabetes is the yellow sign before it turns red and you're kind of really in the danger zone. So this is the time when you have control over your blood glucose, you can reverse it. And when we talk about one in three U.S. adult has diabetes, so that means everybody knows someone who may be living with pre-diabetes within a household, if you think of somebody and his or her spouse or significant other and their parents, there's a very good chance that at least one out of those four to six people that we're thinking of has pre-diabetes or diabetes. Du Lina, det här med att diabetes typ 2 oftast inte stannar bara vid just diabetes typ 2 utan det blir, kan också bli flera följdsjukdomar av det. Det känns ju liksom lite läskigt tycker jag och viktigt att ta upp. Ja men verkligen och jag tror att precis som vi sa här inledningsvis i intervjun så kanske många tänker men jag lider inte av diabetes typ 2. Det här berör inte mig. Men nu när vi hör att professor Panda säger att så många majoriteten av alla som går med för högt, för högt blodsocker och risk att utveckla diabetes typ 2 går runt odiagnostiserade. Därför känns ju den här informationen så otroligt viktig att nå ut med. Och precis som vi hör Panda säga här så snälla 
gå och testa långtidsblodsockret på er vårdcentral. Jag tänker att vi kan rädda så många liv om vi kan få fastställa tidig diagnos. Så otroligt enkel grej egentligen. Ja, och det positiva är att om det skulle visa sig att vi har risk för att utveckla diabetes typ 2 så kan, har vi alla möjligheter nu att påverka den här utvecklingen själva faktiskt. You write that diabetes is a warning that your future health it is at risk. And uh, I mean, it's great to know that if you have pre-diabetes, it is actually reversible and you can do something yeah. about it. Whereas if uh, many of the complications you get from having diabetes, they are not reversible. Yeah. So the earlier you start and not ignoring having uh, this high uh, blood sugar, the better. Yeah. Yes, that's perfectly uh, true. But at the same time, I must add that, for example, somebody who is diabetic and has high blood pressure, in that case, it's not, uh, we should not say that this person doesn't have any hope because we have seen that people with diabetes and high blood pressure or high blood cholesterol can adopt this eight to 10 hours time eating and can better manage their blood pressure and blood cholesterol. And we must uh, also keep in mind that most people who have diabetes, uh, diabetes is the gateway to heart disease because many diabetics actually ultimately get heart disease. But if we can control blood pressure, if we can control blood cholesterol early on, then one may actually live with diabetes relatively healthy without worrying too much about heart disease. Mm. So this 12 weeks program that you have developed, yeah. it's not only good to managing your blood glucose levels, but it's also the same way you take care of the rest of your body, yes. like your hormonal health, your heart, your gut and your brain. Yes. So this is a lifestyle program for anyone who wants to stay healthy yeah. in a way. Yeah. So I guess this is, uh, this is actually, you are right. This is for everybody. Uh, I say that uh, anyone over the age of 10, between the age of 10 and 100, people can practice eating within 12 hours. And then those who really want to improve their performance, then uh, they can practice 10 hours. And when I say performance, it's physical, intellectual, and emotional performance. Because what we also see is by doing this, time restricted eating or intermittent fasting eight to 10 hours. People, as you mentioned, people improve their gut health. Um, and I talk a lot about how, what is the mechanism, why it improves. And second is, um, it also improves their sleep. And we all know that once we have a good night's sleep, then next day morning, our mind is more sharp. We are less likely to have depression or winter blue. And that's how we can also improve our intellectual and emotional health. Mm. Bad genes is considered being a risk of getting uh, diabetes, yeah. uh, of developing diabetes type 2. But uh, you write that healthy eating habits can actually counteract bad genes. Yes, it's almost like, you know, um, suppose, uh, let's take the example of carbs. 
for example, somebody who has a BMW, which is considered a good car, good jeans, versus maybe not so famous car brand. I don't want to name anything, <laughs> but you have, a, <laughs> you have a car that's cheap. So that's with bad mm -hmm. jeans. Yes, I would agree that if you don't take care of the not so good car, then of course it will run into trouble. But the point is, if you run that car well, following the basic idea about when you should take preventative care, when you should change the oil, when you should take the change the brake fluid and tires and drive it well, then any car these days can easily run up to 200,000 miles or more. Conversely, if you take the BMW and drive as if you are a learner, a teenager, and you don't care about preventative maintenance and change, do not change the tire, do not take care of the brake fluid and drive like crazy, then you will run into accident. So that's why having good gin doesn't give you a license to live a bad lifestyle. And conversely, if you're born with some bad genes, it's actually a good incentive, good idea that you can take care of your body much better to get the best out of it. Mm, that's great news. We will discuss your program, but before we dive into the program, the reason you have chosen 12 weeks is that in 12 weeks, you can affect your genes and for the old epigenetic code uh, to be replaced by a new code. And that new code will nudge you to stick to your new habit. I mean, that, that sounds like uh, <laughs> hocus pocus. Well, yes, you can, uh, you know, it's almost like learning driving. Okay, so uh, when you learn driving in the beginning, our muscles are not trained. We make mistakes. Uh, particularly when you're driving a stick-shift car. Uh, there are a lot of things to be moved around. And then within few lessons, and I would say, okay, suppose say you're going through a 12 weeks learning lesson for car driving. There we do, our muscles do capture the muscle memory. We don't have to even think about how to shift uh, gear and uh, press the clutch, etc. So the point is, during these 12 weeks, slowly we'll get used to this new idea, of, uh, new habit of eating within 8 to 10 hours. Because in the beginning, first one or two weeks, those who are eating over, say, 13, 14 hours, when they try to even reduce it to 12 or 10 hours, they will feel very hungry. Some of them might even have a mild dizziness and so that means the old program that is already in their brain and mind that's kicking in and telling that hey you should be but we know that after four to six weeks the same people who could not tolerate 14 hours of fast they actually enjoy start enjoying the 14 hours of fast because they feel light they feel more energetic and so mm. that's what i mean by the whole body is reprogrammed in a way that they can actually adapt and live with this 10 hours time restricting. And in fact, when they eat outside this window, their gut and kind of revolts, and then next day they feel groggy, which is very different from what was before. So 
we know that some of these some of these habits and uh, I would say our addiction to eating uh, they do have epigenetic imprinting. So that's why it's safe to say that we can see these changes happening. So, Dr. Panda, thanks to you, I actually have uh, a few years now practiced intermittent fasting yes. and I do it on an everyday basis and I have my eating window uh, restricted to eight hours a day. Yeah. Uh, something I a few years ago thought would have been totally impossible because I would have come up with the um, you know, needs and ideas of why I couldn't do it. But I feel exactly as you say that if I one day have a very late dinner or I have breakfast very very early due to yeah. uh, different circumstances, my body reacts immediately, yeah. and I feel like almost um, uh, you know almost like a hangover. Yeah. I feel like so it's uh, I can really uh, understand what you're talking about when I when I read this. Ja, nu var vi där igen vid epigenetiken som jag har funnits med i den här podden lite då och då ända sedan vår start kan man ju säga. Och eh, vi ska ju inte gå in på, på djupet på det området nu men man kan i alla fall säga att livsstilens påverkan är stor. Ja men verkligen, livsstilens påverkan är, kan ju faktiskt som Panda säger här vara större än den genetiska påverkan. Och det är någonting som är otroligt peppande, tänker jag. Eller hur? Vi har alla möjligheter. Japp. Och det här, precis som vi sa i början, så funkar ju det här livsstilsprogrammet även på människor som är helt friska. Som vill optimera sin hälsa och förebygga sjukdom helt enkelt. Och ni hör ju här att även jag äter så här sedan några år tillbaka- och jag trodde ju att det var helt omöjligt för några år sedan att leva på det här sättet. Men nu så säger ju min kropp ifrån när jag inte följer min liksom, rytm att äta. Precis på samma sätt som jag sa ifrån för tio år sedan. När jag inte åt en kvällsmacka precis innan jag la mig. Eller tog en frukostmacka precis när jag vaknade. Så jag, jag tycker det här också är peppande. Om man är lite uthållig så sätter sig de här förändringarna och blir nya vanor. Alltså det inger ju hopp det här med att, att man faktiskt kan påverka. Man är liksom inte helt körd bara för att man tar, har en perfekta, eh, de perfekta generna. Liksom. Nej, jag upplever under de senaste åren har jag gjort många förändringar och experimenterat rätt mycket efter alla de här intervjuerna vi har gjort med olika experter. Och de största, liksom, de största hindren är faktiskt mina tankar, mina förutfattade meningar om någonting snarare än själva saken i sig. Och det märker jag när jag testar, när jag testar på de här olika livsstilsförändringarna så jag märkte att det var ju inte så jobbigt som jag trodde det var mest, ja men lite som att gå till gymmet, man sitter hemma och tänker, jag orkar inte gå dit, gud vad tråkigt och vad jobbigt men sen när man väl är där så mår man jättebra och efteråt mår man ju fantastiskt och tänker det här borde jag göra varje dag, typ så är det. Det är ofta precis den här starten som är så svår som du är inne på 
Men sen är ju den startsträckan inte så lång oftast. Utan helt plötsligt är man ju inne i det och blir helt beroende av det. Så just träning är ju ett ypperligt exempel tycker jag. Mm, verkligen. Och här kommer vi faktiskt att prata lite om träning nu i intervjun. So tell us about the lifestyle program. You define lifestyle as what, when and how much we eat, sleep and move. Yeah? Yes. So that's what uh, we feel. Like, for example, when we talk about food, it's how much we eat. It's very common that we can relate that if we eat too much, we feel bad the next day or we don't get good night of sleep. Uh, the quality of nutrition, also everybody agrees that if we eat too much sugary food, that's really bad for anyone, not only those with diabetes, for everybody too much sugar is bad. But at the same time, taking the same carbohydrate as um, salad or more complex carb, whole grain, is good. So we agree that quality and quantity of food is matter. And then... The timing is the most important one because um, this is something that we can always have control over. We may not have access to good food in every city we live in or wherever we go during my travel, but the timing is something that's very personal and we can control in most cases, of course, as you mentioned once in a while, you may have to get outside. And... The reason why timing is important is our body is not the same between morning and evening or midnight and midday. The body processes food very differently at different times. Similarly, now we can connect that to exercise, quality of exercise, quantity of exercise, and also timing of exercise. And in fact, uh, researchers from Sweden have shown that people with type 2 diabetes If they exercise in late afternoon, they can control their blood glucose much better than the same people doing the same exercise early in the morning. And that was really groundbreaking because nobody ever thought that timing of exercise would matter. But now this result has been reproduced quite a few times, even for healthy people. Uh, What we're finding is late afternoon exercise is much better because that's when the, our muscles are more efficient and we run the lower risk for injury because a lot of people do get injured from exercise. So for everybody now, the timing of exercise does matter. And if you are pressed for time, then try to do it in the afternoon. So talking about, I mean, in the afternoon, are we? is this uh, even in the evening, early evening yeah. or what time? It can be early evening and it can be right before or after dinner because we know that for diabetics or pre-diabetics, even having brisk walk right after dinner is almost like taking a medication because it's very effective in bringing blood glucose down. Oh, so we should actually, if we can, we should have our dinner and then we should do some uh, brisk walking or bicycling yeah. or something. Yeah. Mm. Alltså Lina, det här tycker jag är så sjukt mäktigt. Det här med att, att träning kan ha samma effekt som medicin på blodsockret efter en måltid. 
Ja, alltså det, det är så peppande att höra tycker jag. Ja, men jag blev också så motiverad att börja röra mig faktiskt efter jag ätit middag. Och det här kanske låter präktigt och tråkigt, men när man liksom till vardags... Jag, jag lever ju inte så här 365 dagar om året, för jag har ju också liksom vänner och går på fester och sådär. Men till vardags lever jag ju så här. Och när man kortar sitt ätfönster, då äter man ju middag kanske lite tidigare. Eller man äter i alla fall sitt sista mål tidigare än vad man gör innan. Och då ibland så är vi så vana vid att när vi träffar andra människor eller när vi ska mysa eller göra någonting, då är alltid mat inblandat. Och så i början när jag la om mitt, liksom mina tider för mat så kunde jag känna, men vad ska jag göra på kvällen? Om jag inte kan äta. Och här är ju det perfekta svaret. Träna. Ja. Ta en promenad. Gå med dina kompisar eller barn och spela paddel. Jag tänker att det ligger så naturligt för oss att, att man efter maten lägger sig i soffan och slappar. Det är det naturliga att man gör det. Om man kan bryta det och, och då och då i alla fall. Och som sagt, som han är inne på, bara ta en promenad så gör ju det jättemycket. Alltså jag tänker så här, det finns ju inget skönare än att lägga sig i soffan och krascha efter en lång dag på jobbet och efter middagen. Och jag tänker inte att det ena utesluter det andra, utan man kan ju faktiskt, efter man ätit middag, ta en, som du säger, räcker med en, en rask promenad. Tänk mm. hur härligt det är sen att få krascha i soffan. Nästan ännu härligare, eller hur? Verkligen. Och som du säger, det här med att äta middag tillsammans är det mest naturliga när man ska ses ett gäng. Men jag måste förespråka det som jag gjorde för ett par år sedan på när jag fyllde år. Så kalaset började med att vi sågs vid Gullmarsplan och, och så tog vi en lång promenad tillsammans längs Årstaviken och sen... Ja, 15-20 stycken var vi och sen gick vi då hem till oss och fortsatte kalaset. Så börja festen med en promenad. Hur trevligt tror du det var eller? Nej men alltså det låter ju så trevligt. Och det är, mm. det är ju, det är, är ofta de enkla sakerna som är de mysigaste och trevligaste men också de svåraste att så här, komma på. Mm. Mm. Eh, när man sitter där hemma och bara, vad ska vi göra? Hoppa fallskärm. Ja, i grottor. <laughs> Nej, vi kan så här gå ut och gå en promenad. <laughs> Eller hur? Ja. För det är sällskap ja, ja, ja. som är det viktiga. Ja, det är så fruktansvärt enkelt. Mm. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. 
Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. So talking about doing brisk walking and cycling, what kind of exercise should we do? Now we know that we should preferably do it in the afternoon or even after dinner, but what kind of exercise is best for us? Well, uh, uh, there are three types of exercise broadly. Uh, one is to one is the endurance exercise or aerobic exercise, which is mostly brisk walking, running, or bicycling, um, where we are not um, actually adjusting ourselves and we are not lifting weight. And this kind of exercise is very good in controlling blood glucose because we are using our muscles. And uh, for all of us, we can always brisk walk. <laughs> and that's the, that's the most universal and most effective we can do it anywhere, wherever we are traveling. Um, even if you cannot go outside, even within the house, you can pace from one end to another. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next would be bicycle because that's the next best uh, one. It doesn't put too much stress on your bones. And since it's a smooth, gentle motion, it actually is very useful. Similarly, ellipticals, if you can afford so those are the types of exercise everybody can do. And then we also have to think about some strength training because when we lift weight, when we have resistance training, that's when our muscles grow. And maintaining muscle mass, muscle mass is kind of our secret weapon to fight any disease because mm. more than half of our body is muscled. And muscles are extremely effective and soaking up blood glucose and also giving us strength and giving us independence. So that's why it's very important. And the third one is um, stretching. Uh, we often forget that stretching uh, is necessary, but actually it's very, very important because if we, when we stretch, we exercise our joints and ligaments. And the joints and ligaments are kind of the weakest links because they're not too much tissue, they're very small. But if there is small injury to joints and ligaments, or if they're not healthy enough, then we cannot use our muscle. So we have to take care of our joints and ligaments by stretching. So in that way, having alternate plans of starting with some brisk walking and then adding slowly, um, Stretching and strength exercise will help us to stay healthy throughout our life. Mm. Yeah, so exercise one, another thing is those who are living with type 2 diabetes, they might find exercises a little hard because they're more likely to have muscle pain, joint pain, because high blood glucose does affect our muscle and joint performance. So initially, people may find it very difficult to exercise, but as you slowly ramp up your exercise, give yourself enough rest in between exercise bouts, few days, and then try to stretch, uh, but you can do it over time. Mm, thank you. Getting back to uh, what and when and how much we eat, 
when shall you have your first meal? Because I understood that you the eating window, namely how many hours a day you eat, mm-hmm. you can decide pretty much yourself. Yeah. But you shouldn't have your first meal within an hour after you woke up. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because although we wake up and get out of bed, our organs are not fully awake. So they take their own time because for the organs to fully be awake and functioning, we need to produce various hormones that rise up in the day. So for example, cortisol or the stress hormone is the one that begins to rise after we wake up. And then the nightly hormones that make our brain to sleep, they also make many of our organs to sleep. So those nightly hormones such as melatonin has to go down. And usually it can take up to at least one hour. And in many cases, even up to two to three hours for these nightly hormones to go down. But our day hormones begin to rise pretty fast. So if we eat during that time, within an hour of waking up, since our organs are not ready, particularly our pancreas is not ready to properly digest and assimilate glucose by producing insulin. That's why if we eat within an hour, then we are very likely, uh, our body is very likely not to be able to process that glucose very well. So that's why this rule, rule of thumb is wait for an hour before your first first bite. If you can wait even more than an hour, maybe one and a half hour to two hours, that's much safer because it's very hard to figure out on an individual basis, when our melatonin, how long our body takes to reduce our melatonin. So mm. waiting an hour or two can be your mm. rule of thumb. Ja, här är vi ju inne och touchar på frågor som vi får väldigt ofta, eller hur Lina? Ja, men verkligen. Eh, och för att liksom sammanfatta här lite kort så ät inte då för en en timme efter du har vaknat och gärna låt det gå två till tre timmar. Jag personligen äter vid tio mitt första mål och tar en kopp kaffe. Men det här väljer man ju själv. Det kan vara bara viktigt om man vill försöka trimma in ett ätfönster. Att tänka på att faktiskt inte äta direkt efter man har vaknat. Och sen försök att ha... I alla fall tre timmar från sista måltiden innan du går och lägger dig. Mm. Borde inte vara en omöjlighet, tänker jag. Det är väldigt enkelt när man väl får till det, skulle jag säga. And how many meals? Because what you've seen when studying mice is that it doesn't matter how much calories you have. Yeah, so the mouse experiments were very interesting because we... When we give mice food that is present in their house or <laughs> mouse case, they have easy access to it, then they would eat um, any time of the day or night. Mice are usually awake at night, so they eat major portion of their food at night time, but they still eat one third of their food during daytime. And when we give them access to food only for eight, nine or 10 hours at night, they can eat the same number of calories that they used to eat throughout 24 hours now within eight to 10 hours. And they eat it within 
eight to 10 hours. So that means they're actually snacking all the time during those eight to 10 hours. And in this case, we have seen in mice, they are much better in controlling their blood glucose, blood cholesterol, lipids, they reduce their risk for diabetes, reduce their risk for liver disease, even kidney disease. In humans, what we are finding is once you try to eat within 10 hours, after 14 hours of overnight fasting, a lot of people uh, have a good hunger in the morning to have a good breakfast. And once you have a good sized breakfast, then they're less likely to snack. Um, so you may not snack and you may eat a small size lunch because eating a big lunch will put you in food coma. You may go into a nap in the afternoon, but um, having a small, good size lunch uh, will give you the energy push that you need without making you fall asleep. And then if you're trying to shoot for 10 hours, then after another four to five hours, you're ready for your dinner. So in that way, three meals can be a good way to uh, manage your day. If you want another small snack, maybe late afternoon snack is something you can try, particularly if you're trying to do exercise before your dinner time. You can have a small snack and then go for a brisk walk and then come back up. Och här kommer det ju en till sån här fråga som vi får ofta. Hur mycket ska man äta och hur mycket kalorier och sånt där? Mm. Och vi brukar ju göra en grej av att vi har ju aldrig räknat kalorier. För oss är det ju inte kalorierna som är det viktiga. Och det lyfter ju panda här också. Man såg ju att i experimenten med mussen så åt de precis samma kaloriintag. Och när det kommer till människor... Så förespråkar ju panda att vi ska äta helst tre mål mat. Men då att vi ska äta den största delen av kalorierna tidigt på dagen. Och jag menar det har man ju hört under alla år. Det här ät frukost som en kung, lunch som en prins och middag som en fattig. Så det enda man behöver tänka på när det kommer till kalorier är att försöka äta majoriteten i början. Av ätfönstret. Det är inte supernoga men, men eh, försök liksom ha, eh, ha lite koll på det. Och också då om man vill så se till att äta kolhydraterna i början på dagen. Och ta proteinet och fettet på kvällen. Precis. Och sen säger ju Panda, vilket jag också faktiskt kan skriva under på. Att automatiskt så äter man ju färre kalorier. När man har ett ätfönster utan att tänka på det. Och det känner jag igen. För att jag har varit en riktig småätare. Eller jag är en riktig småätare. Ja, det där småätandet kan ju öka på kalorientaget ganska rejält utan att man tänker på det. Eller hur? Ja, det tycker jag. Det slinker ner saker här och där när jag inte är hungrig. Men nu håller jag mig till mitt ätfönster. Och det är väldigt ofta i vardagen som jag hade här om dagen bara vi var på Stockholm Open. Jag och några vänner och tittade och så, det var på kvällen. Och då var det en kille som kom förbi och gav alla varsin gott och blandat påse. Och det är en typ mm. sån sak som jag bara hade öppnat och ätit. Inte för att jag var ens godisugen när han kom och jag var verkligen inte hungrig för jag hade precis ätit middag. Men det här var ju liksom utanför mitt ätfönster och då... Då har jag liksom det så mm. invant så att jag 
jag, jag tänkte inte ens på det. Medan alla mina vänner öppnade ju den här godispåsen och åt den. Och Sebbe, nu låter jag ju sjukt präktig. Får man inte ens äta en godispåse om man t- sitter på Stockholm Open? Jo, det får man. Och jag hade också gjort det om jag var sugen. Men vad jag vill komma till var att nu när jag levt så här så länge så, så det suget har liksom försvunnit. Och det är som befrielse. Jag är inte längre slav under mitt sug. So you also noticed that having the majorities of the calories during the early part of the day could be beneficial, yes? Yes. So what happens is, um, just like we feel like uh, in the morning we have more energy and towards the end of the day, a lot of us, we run out of energy. So similarly, uh, our digestive system, including our pancreas, are more efficient in producing enough insulin and digestive juice to digest and process glucose. So that's why having a bigger breakfast and moisturized lunch um, is good for us. So then we can get away with a small dinner or we can even have more fat and protein, but less carb at dinner time, because by dinner time, our pancreas is tired. It wants to go to sleep and we start and make it to work too much by eating a high carb dinner. Yeah, because this is something I read you wrote as well, that uh, the body is better designed to digest carbohydrates in the morning and during the lunch, but then in the afternoon it's um, it's good for us if we switch to more protein and fat-rich uh, yeah. dinner. Yeah. That's very good to know. Yeah, so the cheese and other, all the other stuff can be good for dinner time. Yeah, so basically you can do these, uh, this 12-weeks program only focusing on timing and you don't need to count calories at all. Yeah, so um, you don't have to count calories, but what we find is when people start this 12-weeks program and they try to eat within 8 to 10 hours, they inadvertently, without knowing, <laughs> they reduce calories because they reduce their late night snacks. And, you know, the late night snacks are not, uh, people are not having a half an apple or a little bite of orange late night. They're actually having a brownie or an ice cream or bowl of cereal. And that's easily 200 to 500 kilocal. Um, and then people also cut down on their alcohol intake. So the late night wine, late night beer, and then all the other things, snacks that go with it, also reduce that. So in that way, without planning for it, people do reduce their calories. They improve their nutrition because they're reducing energy-dense snacks and alcohol. And as you might have noticed that uh, after you practice it for 12 weeks, then it's almost like learning to drive a car. Then you don't have to even think about it. You got your body, got the timing memory, and it will be on autopilot. Yeah. So when it comes to the third rhythm you talk about, it's sleeping. Yeah. What does the program stipulate about sleeping? 
Yeah, sleeping is very important because uh, this is when our body goes through a lot of repair. And particularly when you are doing time restricted eating or intermittent fasting, then after your last calorie, which should be two to three hours before your bedtime. So we have to prepare for our bedtime by doing two things. One is have our last meal two to three hours before bedtime because we cannot sleep and digest our food at the same time. And by giving this time, we can better digest our food. We can reduce our acid reflux because many people do have acid reflux or heartburn in the middle of the night and they wake up. So this is one way to prepare your body. Second way is to dim down light two to three hours before your bedtime because by dimming down light, we also increase the production of nightly hormone melatonin so that we can go back to sleep. So then once uh, we, we should also set a set time for sleep, um, going to bed at the same time every single day actually helps boost our circadian rhythm. It also trains our brain to fall asleep and stay asleep for a good chunk of night. So once you go to bed, it's better to plan for eight hours in bed because if you're lying in eight hours in bed, then at least you should get seven to seven and a half hours of sleep. And that's the optimum time of sleep most people get. Mm. So who can do this 12 week, weeks program? Who would benefit from doing this? We talked about it a bit earlier, yeah. but uh, anyone who's diagnosed with diabetes type two or diabetes in general? So those uh, who know that they are pre-diabetic, they can start right away. And then those who are living with type 2 diabetes and are on medication, they should at least tell their doctor that they are trying to do this. Because depending on the medication they are on, the doctor might change the medication or change the doses. The reason is some medications can act along with intermittent fasting to reduce blood glucose late in the night. And you don't want that, so that's why you should consult with your doctor. Um, there are quite a few studies now published from different parts of the world showing this is true when people try this time restricting or intermittent fasting. And if they're on diabetes medication, Often within few weeks, the doctor has to change the medication. They either get off of one medication if you're taking two or three medications to blood glucose, or sometimes they reduce the medication doses. So you can, so your intermittent fasting becomes your second dose of diabetes medication. You said that this could have an effect also on high blood pressure or high cholesterol. So would this go even for people who are on drugs for managing high blood pressure? Should they also consult their doctor before going into intermittent fasting? Yes, uh, we have done the clinical study where people who were on medication for their high cholesterol or high blood pressure, they tried intermittent fasting, uh, particularly 10 hours, 18 and 14 hours fasting, and um, some of them did reduce their 
medication doses and some who were taking two medications, then they, they had to reduce one or get rid of one. So the good point is once you, before you start, one should uh, get himself or her subject for blood pressure and cholesterol, and then midway, maybe after six weeks, again, check with the doctor to see where they are and whether they need dose adjustment. Och det här är ju superviktigt. Du måste alltså rådgöra med din läkare om du går på mediciner. Eftersom att du helt enkelt kan behöva sätta ut någon medicin eller sänka din dos. Och sen så är det också viktigt att komma ihåg att rådgöra med sin läkare halvvägs in i programmet. Det vill säga efter sex veckor för att se om du ska sätta ut någon medicin eller behöver sänka en dos. What kind of preparations do you need to uh, do before you start this 12-week program? Yeah, so we have to acknowledge that there are the reason why somebody is eating over a long period of time, there are other factors. It may be personal choice or personal issues. Second is family uh, issues. And then the third one is work tradition. So one has to think, what is actually breaking your circadian rhythm and why you are eating for a long period of time. If it has to do with, um, you know, trying to give company to your kids before they go to school, you have to have breakfast with the kids and then late night, if you're finishing your work very late night and coming back uh, and getting dinner, you have to start thinking about, so that's the preparation phase that you got to start thinking which one is, Which one you can cut out? Can you can you delay your breakfast, or can you take uh, bring or eat outside dinner, or somehow advance your dinner, or come home, have dinner, and then finish your work? So those are the kind of preparation. And then, for example, those who are taking care of somebody else, um, because a lot of us we do give care to somebody else, and that takes away a lot of time during daytime. We tend to eat late at night. So you got to accommodate that. Then we also have to accept the fact that if we eat too much sugary food, that makes us hungry. And that's why we go back to eat again and again. We have to look at our diet and say, are we eating too much sugary food? So for example, in the morning, is pastries our main source of energy for breakfast? Maybe we have to change that. Or late at night, do we have a sweet tooth? So that's why we want to reach out for that sugary treat after dinner. And can we substitute that with a fruit or something else? So those are the preparation needs. Um, and if someone is a shift worker who is doing swing shift, late night shift, a morning shift, then that person may have to think how best to practice this both on sh- work day and off day, and whether to carry food, plan food during the shift or during the lunch break and shift, and how to plan that after the shift. So these are the preparation most of us have to kind of mentally think about and also plan our food, so we have to change our food. Um, yeah, I talk about it in the book pretty extensively. <laughs> Nej men Sebbe, det här är ju problemet och jag tänker mig att det är den fasen du befinner dig i livet med småbarn. Mm. Eller om man vårdar en nära sjuk släkting mm. eller något annat så är det ju 
väldigt svårt. Man har inte kontroll över sin tid på samma sätt som jag har i den livssituationen jag befinner mig i nu med lite äldre barn. Precis. Och, och det kan ju vara viktigt att tänka över att om det inte är akut att man måste göra någonting nu åt sin livssituation så kanske man kan vänta med det här tills man har mer kontroll över sin vardag. Ja, det är olika faser i livet, tänker jag. Till exempel det här med småätande. Det är någonting som jag kämpar med, som jag har svårt att bromsa just nu. Men jag klarar andra saker desto bättre när det handlar om min livsstil. Så att, jag tycker att det känns okej okay just nu. Jag är inte lika bra som du är på det. Men vi är i olika faser, som du säger. Mm. Och sen det här med sömn, tänker jag framförallt för dig. Att det är ju svårt att ja, ja. ta sin sömn när man har barn som vaknar och... Då måste man ju gå hand om dem. Men jag ska faktiskt säga. Eh, trots det här. Så jag trodde inte att jag kunde påverka så mycket. Yttre omständigheter i mitt liv. Men märkte att jag kunde faktiskt påverka mycket mer än vad jag trodde. What positive side effects could you expect from, uh, from doing the 12 weeks program? There are many positive side effects. So let's begin with a few things that most people experience. One is um, better sleep. So after the first couple of weeks, uh, many people experience better sleep because they're stopping to eat two to three hours before bedtime, uh, which is always good to give you a good night's sleep. Second thing is um, many of us, nearly one in three adults in the US, experience some kind of heartburn and acid reflux. And they will greatly benefit from time dating or fasting so that heartburn and acid reflux will reduce um, most likely. Then another benefit is um, once you are sleeping well and you have gone through overnight long fast, you know, one will feel very light, not lightheaded, just light <laughs> and more energetic in the morning. And so these are Uh, good things because then you are more productive at work or in your study, whatever you do. So these are some of the... Yeah, sorry for interrupting, but it's actually good for companies to inspire their yeah. um, workers to start this program. Yes, because it actually can increase productivity. Yeah. So these are some of the uh, benefits those who want to exercise if they have some joint pain because of high blood sugar. And once your blood sugar stabilizes or reduces, then people actually experience uh, their joint pain may reduce. It's not that all of it will reduce because we don't know the cause, but in many cases we do see the joint pain reduces, so they even feel much better to exercise. So these are some of the benefits that um, will you will feel means for these benefits you don't have to go to the clinic and check your blood pressure or blood sugar this is something that will, that you can feel every single day and when it comes to things we might not feel i read um, we could also expect reduced inflammation yeah. and also improved liver function yeah so reduced inflammation is a big thing because the joint pain comes from inflammation and when we reduce our inflammation uh, we can feel mm. that in our reduced uh, joint pain Mm. So talking about studies, yeah. 
when you started this to do studies on this, you started to study mice. And then there were some who were skeptic because they said, but this is mice. We need to know about, we are humans. And now you've done some uh, controlled randomized studies. Yeah. Could you say that it's scientifically proven that uh, that a time restricting eating window is beneficial for for the overall health, but specifically for diabetes type two? Yeah, I'm almost tempted to claim that, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, being a scientist, uh, we are always uh, trying to be skeptic or trying to be more confirmed. So, there are a few things. One is. When we think about diabetes or any chronic disease, we go from pilot study, which we have done, randomized control trial, which many other people have now done and published, to multi-location trial, where you take diabetic patients in this case, uh, type 2 diabetics or pre-diabetics in multiple parts of the country or the world, and do it in parallel and see uh, whether it benefits. And I'm pretty sure that it will benefit. At the same time, there are also other aspects. So, for example, who will not respond to time restricting? Because if there are people who will not respond, we also have to understand why they are not responding. Do they have an underlying condition? Do they have a genetic defect? Or do they have an organ damage or something else? Or are they taking some other medication or supplement that's interacting with time restricting? So, as a scientist, I'm always tuned to that question. Yes, we can expect a majority will benefit, but we are also interested in understanding who is not benefiting because that's where there is scope for discovery. So then from the practical point of view, we also have to keep in mind that not everybody who wants to do it can do it because there are barriers to lifestyle practice. There are many people who cannot do it because of their shift work, because maybe they're doing a night shift for three days and then day shift for three days. And identifying those barriers are very important for societal health, because if we figure out that some of the barriers are structural, related to policy, related to work schedule, then as a society, we have to, our role is to let everybody be healthy, let everybody have access or the opportunity to practice healthy lifestyle. So in those cases, we may have to even lobby at the policy level to make sure that these people who have no control, no choice over their work schedule should be given an opportunity for scientifically best shift work schedule or work schedule. So these are some of the issues that we have to recognize and acknowledge and then see. Because the point is this, we have been living with circadian rhythms for the last 200,000 years. And after industrialization, we designed our world and are living our life without paying attention to circadian rhythms because we did not know what is its importance. And now that we are learning how we can harness this very primordial, very intrinsic program to benefit our health, we have to go back and say, can we redesign our world? And so this is where we need some more innovation and more science-based policymaking 
to let everybody live a healthy long life mm. So thank you, Dr. Panda, for your great work. This will help so many people and have helped so many people all around the world. I have one last question for you. Yes. How much does the healthcare focusing on diabetes type 2 cost the U.S. government today? Do you have that figure? So the total cost... This includes both government out of pocket and lost in productive loss in productive. Total cost of living with diabetes for one person for one year is nine thousand dollars. For one person, one year. For one person, one person, the total cost is nine thousand dollars. So that means if we can prevent diabetes in a million people for one year, so that's a billion dollar in saving. And since we have almost 85 million pre-diabetics in the U.S. If we can prevent even 10 million people from transitioning to pre-diabetes, we can reverse their diabetes and keep them reversed for 10 years. So that's 900 billion almost dollars. So that's the impact of this, uh, this very simple lifestyle that's based on circadian rhythm that's already encoded in all of mm. us. And another good thing is that medicine have a lot of side effects. Yes. But when it comes to time-restricted eating window... There is no side, adverse side effects. There are only positive side effects. Mm. We hope the world will soon adapt this yeah. as, a, as a medicine, this yes. lifestyle treatment. Thank you. I hope so. I'm so grateful that you took time to um, talk to me today and I'm very eager to uh, reach out with this very important life-saving knowledge. Thank you so much, Dr. Panda. Thank you. Have a perfect circadian day. <laughs> Thank you. Ja, men det här Sebbe tycker jag ändå sammanfattar så fint. Vi har levt med circadian rhythms som det heter, alltså vår inre klocka sen människans begynnelse. Och nu när vi har fått den här kunskapen om hur viktigt det är att faktiskt liksom leva i harmoni med våra så kallade inre klockor så känns det ju som att det är dags att anpassa vårt liv till våra inre klockor istället för att göra tvärtom. Mm. Vi har ju alltid att vinna på det och jag vill också säga att det här är ju det här är ju helt gratis och man kan ju bara testa. Och för samhället så har vi så mycket pengar att spara och så mycket individuellt lidande som man kan undvika. Mm. Jag tycker Lina att den där lilla fina predikan som du gjorde just nu, den får nog bli avslutningen på detta avsnitt. Eller vad säger du? Ja, det tycker jag. Då säger vi tack för denna gång och hej då! Hej då! Ja, vet du vad? Du har lyssnat på Food Pharmacy-podden med Lina Nertby, Mia Klase och mig Sebastian Ring som även står för musik och redigering. Och i detta avsnitt så medverkade ju den fantastiska professor Sachin Panda. Vill du kanske eventuellt, vad vet jag, ha mer av Food Pharmacy så finns ju vi ständigt dygnet runt på foodpharmacy.se och på Instagram under namnet food underscore pharmacy. Tack, hej!
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.